Hello, and welcome to the reading of the Sioux City Journal newspaper for Wednesday, January the 4th of the brand new year, 2023. I'm your reader, Kevin Boucher. And the first headlines, Twin Boys are Sioux City's first of 2023. And this article was written by reporter Mason Doctor. And this first article was written by reporter Mason Doctor. A pair of twin boys are Sioux City's first of 2023. Alyssa Bertrand, a registered nurse at Unity Point Health St. Luke's, told the journal that the first baby at 3 pounds 12 ounces was born at 8.54 in the morning on New Year's Day. The second, at 4 pounds and 2 ounces, was born at 9.32 in the morning, and as of this writing, a name had not yet been chosen for the babies. The first has been deemed Baby A, and the second is Baby B. Their mother is Tristan Grant, who was not available for comment. And the headline for this next article, The City of Sioux Center and Sioux Center Chamber of Commerce Get a $10,000 Grant for a Video Campaign. And this article was written by Sioux City Journal reporter Mason Doctor. The Sioux Center Chamber of Commerce and the City of the Sioux Center have received a $10,000 Grant from the Iowa Tourism Office to continue a video campaign promoting the Sioux County community. Barb Den Herder, the CEO of the Sioux Center Chamber, said the Chamber and the City partnered in 2020 and in 2021 to produce video reels of Sioux Center to attract people to our community to visit here, to live here, and to work here. This year's home videos, or this year's videos, I should say, will be used for social media promotions and television spots, Den Herder said. The year's previous videos featuring slick aerial footage of Sioux Center and videos of concerts, golfing, skateboarding, soccer, public parks, swimming, dog walking, bicycling, sports, education, and industry in the community reached more than 100,000 people, she added. The stars of the videos are members of the Sioux Center community. We had a great reach with that. Den Herder said. Sioux Center is a growth-minded community, said Sioux Center Communications Coordinator Maggie Langen. We're really good at pursuing the next big thing to help grow our community. We're not always thinking about how exciting our story is, so this is an opportunity to share that story. And the community has a lot going for it. Its industries are robust. Its population grew by nearly 17% between the 2010 census and the 2020 census, and its median household income, $80,955, is quite strong, more than $10,000 above the national average, and more than $21,000 higher than that of Sioux City. And future plans call for filming of the new videos to take place over a single day in June, Den Harder said. The footage will be parlayed into a lot of different pieces that we can use on different social media platforms. 
the Sioux Falls advertising and marketing firm of Mud Mile Communications, is in charge of filming and editing. The campaign's slogan, Live Life in the Middle of Everything, came from a focus group of Sioux Center residents. We kept coming back to this idea of having big city amenities and big city opportunities, but also along with small town community feel and safety, she said. And so we talked about how that's kind of in the middle, you know, in the middle of the big city and small town, and also in the middle of America, right? And Dan Herter adds, we feel like we have a little bit of everything here, Dan Herter said. We have great amenities, our trial program is good, our trail program is good, our education system is good, our health care is good, and we're kind of in the middle of the nation. And so once again, thanks to the Iowa Tourism Department, a $10,000 grant will go to help the City of Sioux Center and the Sioux Center Chamber of Commerce promote their towns. And next, from the Sioux City Journal newspaper, the latest Woodbury County Court report, as compiled by reporter Nick Hytrack, before Judge Robert Tiefenthaler. Brandon Donna Hamilton, 28, of Sioux City, domestic abuse assault, second offense, sentenced December 22nd to two years prison suspended and two years probation. Before Judge Jeffrey Neary, Lucas Wayne Larson, 29, of Sioux City, possession of a controlled substance, third offense, sentenced on December 21st to five years prison suspended and two years probation. And before Judge James Dane, Bradley Barton, 63, of Sioux City, felon, in possession of a firearm, failure to appear, sentenced on December the 21st to 10 years in prison by the judge. And the headline for this next article, Tony's Pizza in Sioux City has now closed. And this article was written by newspaper reporter Earl Horlick. A longtime Sioux City pizzeria is now closed citing the pandemic, the increasing cost of ingredients, and a change in ownership, Tony's Pizza, located at 1917 Pierce Street, announced its closure on the restaurant's Facebook page. The page says, quote, We want to thank everyone for supporting us throughout this learning experience of COVID and hard times with high prices. We leave Tony's Pizza appreciating everyone that supported us and loved our pizza. A past contender for the Weekender's Siouxland's Choice Awards, Tony's Pizza had recently expanded to include more pasta options as well as specialty items like a braided bread pizza, kind of similar to a Stromboli or Calzone on its menu. Headline for this article, Iowa's medical marijuana program sees growth in 2022. And this article was written by Caleb McDonough, or Caleb McCullough, of the Des Moines Bureau of the newspaper. Iowa's medical marijuana program saw growth in 2022, both in increased patients and rising sales at the state's licensed dispensaries. 
the latest figures as of November of 2022, the number of cardholders in Iowa's program was 14,466, which is close to double the 7,865 enrolled patients in December of 2021. And these numbers are according to a report from the Iowa Medical Cannabis Board, which administers the program. More healthcare providers are also certifying patients for the program. And as of November 1st of 2020, practitioners had certified a patient at least once compared to 1,603 a year later. Lucas, Pre- or Lucas Nelson is the president of Bud and Mary's, and he said the growth of his business shows that the growth in patients highlights an increased need for access in the state, both in the number of dispensaries and the type of products available. Bud and Mary's, previously known as MedFarm, is one of two licensed marijuana manufacturers in Iowa, and it operates dispensaries in Windsor Heights and in Sioux City as well. It demonstrates that there is a need for these products in the state, and there is a need for more access for the people, he said. Sales at the state's first five dispensaries in the last year totaled $10.2 million, and that compares to $6 million in August of 2021. In the summer of 2022, that was the first month in the program's history to bring in more than $1 million in sales in one month. And Nelson said Bud in Mary's Sioux City location sees about 50 transactions a day, while the Windsor Heights location handles about 300 transactions every day. A second privately held company, Iowa Cannabis Company, operates dispensaries in Council Bluffs, Waterloo, and in Iowa City as well. The Iowa Cannabis Dispensary received a license from the state to begin producing marijuana for the program in 2021 in Cedar Rapids before relocating to Iowa City. The timeline for that facility to be operational in May of 2023 is the projected start date, and that's according to the report. Bud and Mary's dispensary began work on a $10 million expansion of its production operations this year because of the increased demand. And Nelson said the new facility would be operational in the first quarter of 2023, and the new operation will triple the company's production, Nelson said. And that's in preparation for where we believe this program is going to head. And where we believe it should head, he said. As more people get access and as more people learn about it, hopefully as the legislature helps with assisting us in getting more dispensaries, more product availability, etc., we'll be well set up and ready for more business. Nelson said his company will continue to lobby the state legislature to allow the sale of vaporized flour which is available in several other states' programs, the change would allow dispensaries to sell whole cannabis flour that patients can vaporize. Iowa's program only allows for the sales of oral, topical, nebulizers, 
oil vaporizers, and suppository products. Vape products were the most popular of the forms sold at dispensaries in 2022. Vape products accounted for 66% of all sales. And since flowers are cheaper than the other products to produce, Nelson said the change would lower the cost for cardholders and probably attract more patients to the program. We believe it's a safe, effective method for delivering the molecules, but most importantly, it's going to be more cost-effective, he said. And while the board has not recommended that change, Nelson and the board both agreed that the state needs more licensed dispensaries. State law currently allows for five dispensaries in the state of Iowa. It's very, very frustrating for us when we get calls and when we hear from people who would like to join the program but can't make the trip, Nelson said. They're simply boxed out of it because we've chosen to only allow for five dispensaries. The Medical Cannibal, uh, Cannibal Board's uh, report recommended removing the number of dispensary licensed from the state law and allowing the department to issue more licenses, quote, based on evidence-based demand analysis. And when it comes to taxes, the board recommends exempting medical marijuana products from sales tax to ease the cost burden on patients. It also advocated a sales tax tweak that would allow cannabis companies to take business expense deductions for state income taxes. It's a technical change, and the board recommended changing the state law and, by extension, the program. The Iowa Medical Cannabis Act from the Iowa Medical Cannabidol Act. CBD is the main product available when the program started, but a 2020 law removed a THC cap on products and did allow for the sale of high-potency marijuana, but with a limit of 4.5 grams of THC per 90-day purchase in most cases. THC is the primary chemical in a marijuana plant that causes the high. Now, this name creates confusion around the program, the report said, as some law enforcement officers and others don't know that high THC products are legally available in the state of Iowa. High THC products also make up the bulk of sales with 78% compared to 13.2% with the lower potency product. Nelson said the high sales of THC can be attributed to its effectiveness in treating chronic pain, as well as the availability of CBD online and over-the-counter in Iowa, and with CBD easily available without a medical card, people joining the program are generally seeking higher THC formulas. And the name change would reflect scientific reality via inclusion of all cannabis products. It would mitigate confusion with program stakeholders and it would improve program education. And that's according to the report. And the headline for this article, under proposed new bill, child safety seat rules would increase in the state. And this article was written by reporter Aaron Murphy of the journal's Des Moines Bureau. 
The age and the weight at which children would be required to ride in car safety seats would both increase under proposed state legislation in Iowa. Recurring campaign donations without the donor's active consent would be illegal, as would any handheld use of a mobile device while driving, and pointing a laser at an aircraft would become a crime. These are among the proposals made by state agencies, filed in advance of the 2023 session of the Iowa Legislature, which begins on January the 9th. Each year, the state's nonpartisan Legislative Services Agency collects proposed legislation filed ahead of the upcoming session, and it's posted online at legis.iowa.gov under pre-filed bills. And while state lawmakers sometimes also file bills during this period, as of Monday afternoon, the roughly two dozen pre-filed bills all were proposed by state departments. The Legislative Services Agency is responsible for drafting a proposed pre-filed bill into final form, and then they're responsible for submitting it to both chambers of the Iowa Legislature. Again, children would be required to ride in a rear-facing car seat until they're three years old while weighing up to 30 pounds and under the new bill would be required to ride in a safety seat until they are age eight under legislation proposed by the Iowa State Public Safety Department. Under the current law right now, the requirements are lower up to one year while weighing less than 20 pounds in a rear-facing seat and up to the age of six in a safety seat. The proposal to raise those limits would increase the safety and it would bring the state of Iowa in line with neighboring states' regulations. The Iowa Department of Public Safety said, the state agency said data shows that compared to seat belts alone, Car seats reduce the risk of injury in a crash by between 71 and 82 percent. And booster seats reduce the risk of injury to children by 4 to up to 45 percent. Iowa has one of the most lax child safety seat laws of all surrounding states, and the fatalities and injuries that result are substantial, the memo said. Pointing a laser at an aircraft would now be a crime under legislation proposed by the Iowa Public Defense Department, which includes the Iowa National Guard. Over the past couple of years, Iowa National Guard aviators, primarily Army helicopter aviators, have increasingly become targets of laser incidents from personnel on the ground. And that's according to a memo sent by Iowa National Guard Adjutant General Ben Correll. And he continues. Now, to date, these incidents have not caused injury to either crew or aircraft. However, with greater deterrent, I'm concerned that laser incidents will continue to rise while at the same time increasing the risk to aircraft and crew. The legislation would add pointing a laser towards an aircraft to existing state law that prohibits pointing a laser at an individual with intent to cause injury. The crime is an assault, 
and ranges from simple misdemeanor to a Class C felony. On the subject of distracted driving, only hands-free use of a mobile device would be allowed while driving under legislation proposed by the Iowa State Public Safety Department. One spokesperson says it is very difficult to enforce the current law and change driver behavior because it is virtually impossible to discern how the cell phone is being used. Furthermore, the Department of Public Safety writes, the level of distraction is not due to the task being performed, but rather the mere use of a cell phone while driving. In the area of campaign donations, campaign organizations would be prohibited from collecting automatic donations without a donor's active consent, and that's under legislation proposed by the state's campaign finance watchdog agency. In recent election cycles, there has been a growing trend of campaigns collecting automatic repeating donations from donors, many times without the knowledge of the donors. Typically, a donor makes one donation without realizing that he or she also has signed up for repeated donations, which are withdrawn automatically and they do not stop until the donor requests it. And so under legislation currently proposed by the Iowa Ethics and Campaign Disclosure Board, campaigns would be required to get permission from the donors to collect repeating automated donations drawn directly from the donor's bank. And in the area of government efficiency, the state auditor's office would be required annually to update a list of best practices for government efficiency under legislation proposed by state auditor Rob Sand. Sand, who in November was re-elected to a second four-year term, has operated a program he has designated PIE, which is an acronym for Public Innovations and Efficiencies. His proposed legislation would effectively put the PIE program into state law. It would require the auditor each year to distribute that list of best practices to public entities, request feedback from those entities, and prepare an annual report that analyzes the public entity's responses. And the headline, Sioux City Police are looking for help in identifying some burglary suspects. And this article was written by reporter Dolly Butts. The Sioux City Police Department is seeking the public's help in identifying the individuals who may have committed multiple burglaries in the city over the past month. The department released images of the suspects who are wearing hoods or have their faces concealed with masks along with a statement. According to the statement, at 3.58 in the morning on December the 2nd, the suspects forced their way into the brew, 2026 Riverside Boulevard, and stole numerous items. The same individuals are also involved with similar burglaries at five different businesses around Sioux City, the police statement said. And the department is asking anybody with information concerning the suspects to contact Detective Brad Gorder 
at 712-279-6384. And yes, you can remain anonymous. That telephone number once again is 712-279-6384. Headline, Judge McReynolds sets down gavel after 32 years in Henry Circuit Court. Judge Dana McReynolds is finally calling it a day. He's been coming to the Henry County Courthouse in Illinois for 46 years. For the first 13, he was the county's public defender, working in hallways and the jail with no office and no assistance. And on December 1st, 1990, he was appointed associate judge, and two years ago, he was appointed circuit judge. A 1968 graduate of Weathersford High School and a 1972 graduate of the University of Illinois, he worked for six months and then attended John Marshall Law School in February of 73. He graduated with his law degree in 1976. And he said there were a number of pieces of advice that he would give to anybody. Know where you are know where you've been, and know what you want to do and where you want to go. He also says every day you should laugh, you should think, and you should cry, and you should have the courage to be kind. That's kind of my philosophy of everything, the judge said. I just love doing this. I really, really do. He said he had some serious health issues and was gone for about three months twice, but when he offered to retire to save them the trouble of finding people to cover for him, the powers that be told him no, they didn't want that to happen. Their approach to that inspired me, and I'm grateful for that, he said. Instead, after he came back from health problems, he was welcomed back with open arms. You can't just walk away from that and say, I quit, he said. It's been a whirlwind of emotions for me and my family. That last week, I went from being emotional myself to being in a position to comfort others. I never knew lawyers could come to tears, but some of them did. You go from yourself controlling emotions to try to help somebody else, and I was very grateful for that. McReynolds and his wife, Carol, have three children, three grandchildren, all living in Colorado. Daughter Amber McReynolds is a nationally known elections expert who recently received the highest alumni award from the University of Illinois. Amy Gilbert works in interior design and a son, Michael, works for the Colorado governor in legislative liaison purposes. And the headline for this article, Republican lawmakers target lowering property taxes. And this article was written by reporter Aaron Murphy of the journal's Des Moines Bureau. After previously enacting multiple rounds of reductions to state income taxes, Iowa Republican lawmakers have a new target for tax cuts in 2023, property taxes. And while a specific proposal has not yet surfaced, the overall tone from Republican legislators is clear. 
they plan to use their majorities in both chambers of the Iowa legislature to pass legislation that will, in their view, help reduce Iowans' property taxes and then send that legislation to Republican Governor Kim Reynolds for her, her approval. Property tax this year will be the top priority. And that's a quote from Jack Whitford, the Republican Senate Majority Leader from Grimes, Iowa. From our perspective, everything is on the table as far as changes. Property tax rates are local. They are set at the local level by cities, counties, and school districts, among other local entities. So any changes made to state law will impact property policy, but not property rates. Ultimately, this is a huge concern that we've heard from Iowans as we campaign, Whitford said. Property taxes, that's a subject concerning a lot of people, especially with the assessment increases that have occurred over the last couple of months. The 2023 uh, session of the Iowa legislator, legislature is set to begin on the 9th of January. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds declined to be interviewed for the Gazette's Legislative Preview series. Property taxes are primary drivers of local government's budget, and they help determine how much is spent on police, libraries and parks, and other services. That means officials representing cities, counties, and school districts have a vested interest in the conversation that takes place, and they have a stake in legislation that is produced this year at the Iowa Capitol. Lucas Binkin, public policy specialist for the Iowa State Association of Counties, said that county leaders welcomed the conversation about property taxes, but urged caution against making changes that simply shift, uh, simply shift the tax burden from one set of Iowans to another, or that would make it difficult for local leaders to properly fund services that their communities provide. Binken said that county leaders understand that many Iowans have become frustrated with property taxes. You are listening to the reading of the Sioux City Journal newspaper dated Wednesday, January the 4th, 2023 on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. And now let's turn to today's obituaries. John Edward J.B. Brenner of Whiting, Iowa, 78 years old, passed on Saturday, December 24th at his residence. Gosler Funeral Home Chapel in Anawa, Iowa, is in charge of arrangements. A private family burial with military honors will be held at a later date. He was born on January 19, 1944, to Myron Ulrich Brenner and Adele Friday Brenner in Sioux City, Iowa. His parents and younger brother Ron lived on a farm in Mapleton, Iowa. He graduated from Maple Valley High School in 1962 and attended Creighton University before joining the Army National Guard. John met the love of his life, Margaret Carter, in the mid-1960s after she moved from her home in Corner Brook, Newfoundland to eventually settle in Sioux City, Iowa. 
On April 8, 1967, they were married at St. Mary's Catholic Church in Mapleton. To this union, two daughters were born. The first, Leslie, was born while John was stationed at Fort Carson, Colorado, and after his honorable discharge, the couple returned to Iowa, where they made their home in Whiting and had their second daughter, Janine. John worked for the Army Corps of Engineers for 35 years until his retirement in 1995. In his younger years, when not working for the Corps, he did some farm work on the side as well. He was a member of the Whiting Fire Department for many years. John is survived by his wife, Margaret of Whiting, daughters Leslie and Phil Hubert of Whiting, and Janine and Dewey Peterson of Dunlap, Iowa. Seven grandchildren, Garrett and fiance Bailey Hubert of Evergreen, Colorado, Bryce Hubert of Maxwell, Iowa, Dylan Hubert of Maxwell, Bradley Peterson of Austin, Texas, Stephanie, and fiance Aaron Cullen Peterson of Charter Oak, Iowa, Zach Peterson of Dunlap, and Lacey Peterson of Dunlap, Iowa. He's also survived by his brother, Ronald and Laura Brenner of Adele, Iowa, and many nieces, nephews, cousins, and relatives and friends. He was preceded in death by his parents, Myron and Adele Brenner. In lieu of flowers, please consider a donation in John's name to the Whiting Fire and Rescue or to Emory Johnson American Legion Post Number 481 of Whiting, Iowa. Scott James Cook, 63, of Daphne and formerly of Sioux City, slipped away quietly on Monday, December 26, 2022. There will be a celebration of life in Daphne, Alabama at a later date. He was born on August 22, 1959 in Wakini, Kansas, the youngest child born to Richard J. Cook and Beverly Van Buskirk Cook. He attended North High School in Sioux City, where he was an active member of the high school cheer squad in Iowa. He went on to attend the University of South Dakota and graduated with a degree in Earth Sciences from the university. He worked in the environmental disposal business as a quality control supervisor, where he was respected by his customers and peers for his honesty, kindness, and dedication. He is survived by his older brother, Jeff, and Andrea of St. Augustine, Florida, stepdaughter Susan Brennan of Jacksonville, Florida, sister-in-law Kathy Cook of Sioux City, Iowa, and he is also survived by wonderful uncles and aunts and cousins, nieces, nephews, and family and friends. Scott was preceded in death by his parents, Richard and Beverly Cook, wife Sharon, and brother Tim. Tammy Annette Craig, 55, of Sioux City, Iowa, passed away on Friday, December 23rd, at a local hospital. Meyer Brothers Colonial Chapel is in charge of arrangements. She was born on July 12, 1967, in Sioux City to Daryl and Vita Kasky Kunkel. She attended Sioux City schools and was a Sioux City resident for most of her life. 
but she did spend time in both California and in Minnesota. She was a member of Sacred Heart Catholic Church, and in her spare time, she loved playing her games on her computer or on the phone. She also loved spending time outside tinkering in the garage with her father, Daryl. More than anything, Tammy loved her grandchildren with her whole heart. She is survived by her mother, Vida Kunkel, children Jermaine Trailer, Preston Ellenbolt and Sarah, Shanice Kunkel Craig, and Shayla Callie Jeffords. She is also survived by grandchildren Malik, Leon, Booker, Odari Tafari Jr., Odari Tafari Messiah III, and Leah, four nieces and several aunts, uncles, and cousins. She was preceded in death by her father, grandparents, husband Michael Craig, and other extended family. Debbie Dreckman Debbie Dreckman of Lamar's, Iowa, 70, died on Thursday, December 29th. The Rex Winkle Funeral Home in Lamar's, Iowa, is in charge of local arrangements. Helen Backrod Erickson passed away peacefully on Monday, December the 26th, 2022. As per her request, a celebration of her life will be held at a later date. Meyer Brothers Colonial Chapel is in charge of arrangements. She was born on December 25, 1921. Life with her six siblings was never dull. They grew up knowing the best of their parents' German and Irish ancestry. Work hard and have fun. When, in, While a nursing student, she met her future husband, Ernest Daniel Erickson, and they were married in Iowa City. On December 19, 1942, they lived in San Antonio, Iowa City, Denver, Arkansas City, and Stuttgart, Germany. They settled in Sioux City in 1954, where they raised their family. Heron was widowed, or Helen was widowed at an early age and raised her children as a single parent when that was not the norm. Helen played a significant role in the family's lives as 100 favorite family memories were shared at her 100th birthday. Three themes prevailed, travel, games, and caring for the plethora of family pets. She is survived by her children, Sue and Maury Nealon of Okemos, Michigan, Jan and Tom Snyder of Sanborn, Amy Erickson and Angelo Letta of Rome, Italy, and Leif and Kim Erickson of Sioux City, nine grandchildren and ten great-grandchildren. She was preceded in death by her husband, Dr. Ed Erickson, son, John Thomas Erickson, parents, Lois and Loretta Backrot, and six siblings. Memorials can be made in her honor to the Sioux City Public Library and the Food Bank of Siouxland Incorporated. Vios Genados of Sioux City, 83 years old, died on Tuesday, December 27. Arrangements are with Meyer Brothers Colonial Chapel. Cheryl D. Butler Jacobson of Anawa, Iowa, formerly of Cherokee, Iowa, and Sioux City, 73, 
uh, passed away on December 26th at Iowa Methodist Medical Center in Des Moines, Iowa. The Boothby Funeral Home in Cherokee, Iowa is in charge of arrangements. She was born on November 10th, 1949 to Paul and Bernice Johnson Butler at Sioux City. She graduated from East Sioux City High School in 1968, and she was united in marriage to Philip Jacobson on June 8, 1968, in Sioux City. She worked as a matron at the Cherokee Police Department for two years, and then as a secretary at Cherokee Mental Health Institute from 1980 until her retirement on May 13th of 2010. She is survived by her husband, Philip of Anawa, Iowa, children Lisa Martinez of Van Meter, Iowa, and Scott and Mercedes Ramos Jacobson of Austin, Texas. She is also survived by four grandchildren, Nathan Martinez, Jacob Martinez of Van Meter, and Gabriel Jacobson and Lucas Jacobson of Austin. She is also survived by several nieces and nephews, and she was preceded in death by her parents, brother Paul Butler and sister Dolores Jarman. Dolores Darlene Jacobson, born and raised in Sioux City, passed away peacefully at her residence in Tacoma, Washington, on Friday, December 23rd, at the age of 92. She will always hold a special place in our hearts. She loved her great she loved her eight daughters, twenty grandchildren, and eighteen great grandchildren that she was very proud of. She took great pleasure in working for the senior companion program for twenty one years, and her passion was helping others. And if you would like to honor her, donations can be made to the Foster Grandparents and Senior Companion Program of Greater Siouxland, Iowa. 1510 14th Street in Rock Valley, Iowa. James Kenneth Jim Keene of Phoenix, Arizona, formerly of Sioux City, 77, passed away peacefully on Wednesday, December 28th in Phoenix after seven years with dementia. Meyer Brothers Colonial Chapel is assisting with the arrangements. Jim was born in Omaha, Nebraska, on April 6, 1945, to Dr. Kenneth and Dorothy Meyer Keene. He was the oldest of 12 children. He graduated from Helan High School in 1963 and attended Rockhurst University before graduating from the University of South Dakota. He had many leadership roles throughout his education. Jim was an avid athlete and held the Helan High School long jump record for over 50 years. As a young teenager, Jim met the love of his life, Mary Mugan, who he married in 1968, and together they raised children, three children, Greg, Susan, and John. Survivors include his wife, Mary Keene of Phoenix, children Greg and Teresa Keene of Omaha, Susan and Chuck Lanfear of Samarwish, Washington, and John and Maggie Keene of Phoenix, Arizona. Ten grandchildren, eight brothers, Bob, Tom, Mike, Ed, Dan, David, John, and Kevin. Three sisters, Mary Jean Mugen, Kathy Callen, and Teresa Reisinger. 
many in-laws, and over 50 nieces and nephews. He was preceded in death by his parents, Dr. Kenneth and Dorothy Keene, Mary's parents, Dr. Robert and Hazel Mugen, Uncle Steve King, brothers-in-law Paul Tebb and Tom Trinan, and nephew Alvin Dangulan. As we celebrate Jim's life, we do so with a smile on our face and fond memory of his love for us all. And in lieu of flowers, please consider donations to Hospice of the Valley in Phoenix, Arizona, or Iowa State Right to Life. Wanda J. Mammon of Lamars, Iowa, 78, died on Thursday, December the 29th. Arrangements are pending with Moore Johnson Funeral Home in Lamars, Iowa. Eileen K. McCormick, 63 years old of Sioux City, passed away on Tuesday, December 27th, at her home, comforted by family. She loved her career, at which she made numerous lifelong friends and had a hand in solving many crimes in Siouxland. She is survived by her daughter, Jenny, grandson, Tristan, three great-granddaughters that she cherished, sister, and brother-in-law, Rebecca, Becky, and Jerry Davenport, and beloved dog, Benson McCormick. Eileen was preceded in death by her soulmate, Michael McCormick, on July 21, 2021. Parents, grandparents, Bertha and Willis Raines, mother-in-law, Minnie McCormick, and she is also survived by her sister, Shirley McCormick. And turning now to the opinion page of the Sioux City Journal newspaper, the headline, this is a, a letter to the editor, headline, When Will Sioux City Leaders Address Homelessness? When I was a child, I grew up on 16th and Court Street. In those days, kids ruled the neighborhoods. Nobody tried to hurt or bother us, and homelessness was not a common sight. Last summer, I thought we had hit our low when I spied not one, but three drunk transients passed out within a hundred feet from a gas station in broad daylight in the mouth of an alley entering the street. This has gotten so bad that I'm more afraid as a grown man walking around in the day than when I was ten and out way past curfew. And that letter to the editor was written and sent in by Jeffrey Penner of Sioux City. And the headline for this next uh, opinion piece, it's a letter to the editor that says, Steve Hansen for Iowa House, District 2. And from the opinion page, here's a regular columnist written by columnist and writer Dan Wooten. Headline, Consider the New Year as the old year passes. And he writes, The turning of the new year is a time to reflect and imagine, looking back at the past and thinking about what's ahead. It's also a time of unbridled celebration with a bunch of football. Like Christmas, it's compact of opposites. The festivities derived from the old Roman feast of Calans, a week of wild, almost frantic partying. And the introspection comes from a common realization that time is passing and we are aging. 
The latter comes after the fun, rather like a hangover. Still, the new year prompts us to pause for a bit and consider that our lives are a process that has a beginning and an end. Time is the yardstick against which lives and events are measured, and the subject has drawn comment from writers from ancient days to the present. There are two quotations that I've cited before and return to them often. The one called to mind most frequently was written for the January 1821 issue of the London Magazine by Charles Lamb, using the pen name of Elia, and he writes... Every man hath two birthdays, two days at least in every year, which set him upon revolving the lapse of time as it affects his mortal duration. The one is that which in in a special manner has termeth his, but the birth of a new year is of interest to be too wide to be overlooked by king or cobbler. No one ever regarded the first of January with indifference, and it is from which all date their time, and from that which all count upon what is left, it is the nativity of our common atom. Ring out wild bells to the wild sky, I say. Good resolutions are simply checks that men draw on a bank where they have no account. And I'd like to spare, uh, I'd like to send you a few more quotations. I don't know where I'm going from here, but I promise it won't be boring. David Bowie. Quote, the only person you are destined to become is the person you decide to be. And that was from Ralph Waldo Emerson. And Phil McGraw says, a year from now, you're going to weigh more or less than what you do right now. And the last one, one of my favorite. This is from Charlie Brown, everybody's favorite from Peanuts. You know how I always dread the whole year? Well, this time I'm only going to dread one day at a time. And again, that's a quote from Charlie Brown. And this columnist was written by Dan Wooten. He is a former Illinois State Senator and a regular columnist for the Sioux City Journal newspaper. And turning now to the sports section of the Sioux City Journal newspaper, all of you Hawkeye fans, I'm sure, had to love the December 31st game, the bowl game. And this article was written by sports reporter Steve Batterson. Hawkeyes pick apart the Kentucky Wildcats for one last win. To create the ending to the 2022 season it wanted, The Iowa football team followed a familiar formula recently in Nashville, Tennessee. The Hawkeyes relied on game-changing plays on defense, difference-making special teams, and a turnover-free offensive effort to craft a 21-0 shutout of Kentucky in the trans-perfect Music City Bowl game played in Nashville, Tennessee. The New Year's Eve win over an opponent which had beaten Iowa on New Year's Day in the Citrus Bowl allowed the year to end on a much different note than it began. We wanted this for the seniors. We wanted them to go out with a win. They deserve it. 
said Cooper DeGene, named the game's most valuable player. All of the game's points were scored in the second quarter. That's what they do, said Wildcats coach Mark Stoops. Iowa won by being Iowa. Credit them. That's a compliment. The Hawkeyes earned the first shutout by a Big Ten in a bowl game since 1999 by playing to the strengths of a team that finished this year with a record of 8-5. Iowa's defense limited Kentucky to 185 yards, holding the Wildcats to 68 yards on the ground and turning two turnovers into two touchdowns. As a group, the Hawkeyes recorded 11 tackles for a loss, four sacks, and they broke up six passes, in addition to the two that Iowa intercepted. The Hawkeyes totaled 206 yards of offense, and they did not convert on any of their 11 third-down attempts. And with some uncertainty about who Kentucky 7-6 would start at quarterback and how the Wildcats would deal playing without their two top rushers, uh, DeGene said the Hawkeyes focused on the fundamentals. We did what we do, he said. We came out and we played the way we are capable of playing. We knew that we needed to be on top of our game. And turning now back to the news, Sioux City Podcast offers a glimpse of the lives of firefighters. And this article was written by uh, Sioux City Journal reporter Jared McNitt. In the title of the new Sioux City-based podcast titled Before the Tones Drop, there's the mission statement of the fire and rescue workers behind it. Watching EMS-based shows, people see the fire department and EMS and see the action side of things. But what they don't necessarily see is what happens in the firehouse. And that's a quote from Sioux City Fire Lieutenant Phil Marshawn. So we're bringing you into the world before those alert tones come in. Now on its third episode, the Before the Tones podcast was forged during a recruitment effort that Marshawn and his fellow podcasters, Benjamin Moorhead and Devin Skipper, were leading in their capacity as members of their department's Human Resources Committee. We did a Facebook Live question and answer session, Marshawn said, and we were trying to get some information out so that people applying, they knew what they were getting into. The first episode, aptly titled The Pilot, begins with some blues rock and heavy metal music before Moorhead sets the stakes, introduces his co-host, and gets in a few lighthearted barbs about some of the other rescue workers on the staff. Well, that does it for today's reading of the Sioux City Journal newspaper dated Wednesday, January the 4th, 2023. I'm your reader, Kevin Boucher. And you can access a recording of today's reading on our website, iowaradioreading.org, at any time. And thanks for listening. (music) 